So this is a topic that I haven't really talked a lot about, and I know I say that phrase a lot lately, I haven't talked about this topic yet. And it's kind of important because I don't really want to cover ground that I've already covered many times before in the past. That's kind of what tends to happen when you have a podcast that's been going three years. So my family was on a trip recently, and we stayed at a new hotel in Utah. And it ended up being such a great experience because the hotel felt fantastic. And we actually ended up extending our stay there. We have some friends in the area and I had some work up there as well. And the funny thing about it is that my wife and kids just settled right in to the hotel. You know, they go down and they get the free breakfast. They have their phones. They talk to their online friends. You know, my son goes to the gym and works out and pumps iron, and he loves doing that. We have his little traveling laptop that we um, bring along, and everybody kind of knows the routine. And it reminds me of something funny that one of my friends told me uh, when I first started doing mold avoidance back in 2017 when my family was still living in Tahoe and I went off on my own to start kind of experimenting with mold avoidance and experimenting with the healing process. And my friend said to me, Brian, you can't live in a campground because I was off camping. And he said, you can't live in a campground. You got to settle back in somewhere. And this, this is a whole paradigm discussion here What happened to me after five years of avoidance is I started thinking of housing as a resource rather than a forever home or a, you know, anchor point or, you know, living in the same place for many, many years, a moldy house, whatever. And even though we eventually did find a good house to buy, I still think that myself and my family views housing as a resource that is a commodity or it is a fungible asset. And in cryptocurrency, there if you guys are into cryptocurrency, you've probably heard of these things called NFTs, which are non-fungible tokens like the Bored Ape Yacht Club or, you know, you've probably seen this stuff in the news, these little art pixel you know, pieces of art that are selling for millions of dollars. Non-fungible means they're different. They're special. They're unique. If you have one Bored Ape Yacht Club photo and I have a different one, they might sell for different prices because they're special. Like artwork is special, right? The Mona Lisa is special. It's a one-of-a-kind piece of art. It's protected by machine guns and, and iron doors and all of this stuff. It's special. And most people think of their house as being special, you know, they, they, it's a home, a house is a home, it's a forever home, whatever. And mold avoidance has taught me to think about housing as being, instead of non-fungible, as being fungible. Some examples of fungible things are uh, the U.S. dollar. If you get a dollar bill, it's okay to trade that dollar bill for a different one if the cash register at Starbucks gives you change and you're like, oh, I want my regular, my old dollar bill back. I want that original dollar bill back. That makes no sense, right? A dollar bill is a dollar bill. It's fungible. And I'm going to get into why this is so critical. 
um, in Moldavoidance to make this shift. Like when my family got to that hotel in Utah and everybody just settled in. Yeah, it took a while for us to get used to that way of life um, where, you know, you're in a hotel for a long time or you're in a campground or you're in a rental house or an apartment or whatever. It It is a huge mental shift to make to think of housing as being fungible, interchangeable, not special. But this is this may be the most important and most profound podcast episode I've ever made. And it applies to people who are not super geniuses and who have a net worth of less than $10 million, which basically is 100% of us because none of us have a net worth above $10 million, at least no mold voter that I know. And most of us are not super geniuses with record-breaking IQ levels. So that means you should probably listen to this. So why do I say that? Okay, I, I really need to break this down because this is so important and, and such a big topic. In order to have a forever home that is also mold-free, it takes an astronomical amount of resources and probably still won't happen. You know, one of the biggest misconceptions or fallacies in mold avoidance is that you should go out and try to build a mold-free home research all the best materials, find the contractors. It never works out. It never works out. Whether something ends up being mold-free is very unpredictable. It's very unpredictable which materials and weather and processes and outdoor biomes will be healthy, right? So it's very hard to predict this and to acquire a mold-free house. Don't even try to build one because you'll just end up spending $900,000 on a house with all these special ingredients and materials that really only has a fair market value of $400,000 because no one else cares about your little special foam rainforest bamboo insulation that you paid an arm and a leg for. And when that house ends up not being good for you anymore, you'll sell it for $400,000 instead of $900,000 and you'll be financially destroyed for the rest of your life. But even buying a house that feels good, which, by the way, is a much better option to look for existing buildings and structures that feel good rather than trying to build something special. Trust me, it's much better to do that, not just financially, but you'll also be more successful. Even that isn't guaranteed to give you a forever home, right? I mean, any property can go bad at any time and the outdoor air can go bad, leading to someone needing to move. This is why... It's important to think of housing as being fungible. Again, going back to the definition of non-fungible and fungible. Fungible meaning interchangeable, okay to switch. And, you know, I thought of this hotel because if you think about the massive amount of resources that goes into to making a hotel, right? Like I'm not a commercial real estate developer, but I am I do I am a real estate investor and I used to have my real estate license, so I kind of know how this works. You know, in order to build a hotel, you have to have permits and a piece of land and architects and planning and, you know, foundation preparation and soil work and I mean, it's a massive process building a hotel. I don't know, it's going to cost 10 or 20 million dollars and take a couple of years and require hundreds of employees. So and subcontractors and, you know, all license and city permits and waiting and paperwork. I mean, you and I don't have the money or the resources to build a hotel. So if you happen to encounter 
a hotel, for example, that feels really good. Maybe it's a year or two old, so all the you know chemicals and paint have off-gassed. Uh, it's, it's not moldy. It feels great. The gym feels good. There's going to be a cultural voice in the back of your head that says, you can't really enjoy that hotel because it's not a permanent home. It's not a forever home. It's not a real home, right? And I'm arguing with you today that nothing could be further from the truth, especially if you're a mold avoider. Take advantage of that opportunity that you have to live in a clear hotel for a while, a day, a week, a month. And just don't worry about tomorrow so much. Don't worry about the future. Don't worry about what culture says about something being a a forever home or a, a legitimate home. Don't put yourself through that cultural, random, arbitrary, dogmatic definition of what a home is. Now, I get it. Of course, it's better to have a forever home or a reliable, predictable home. Like Everybody wants that. And that's why I say a net worth under $10 million. Because if you're super wealthy, if you're Oprah, um, you probably can have homes and properties that are that feel good for a really long time. Um, and you know you can hire special architects and builders and buy multiple houses and experiment. And, and even if you're a mold avoider, you you still might be able to do it. You might be able to rent an apartment for a couple of years or um, you know buy a home. It's it's possible, right? I'm not saying it, I'm not excluding it as a possibility 100. percent What I'm saying is that you can't make it your litmus test for happiness and a feeling of being settled and stable. You have to shift into a paradigm where housing is a fungible resource that you use as it feels good and then you leave. If that hotel starts to feel bad, you can just leave, check out, be gone. There's no risk, there's no financial damage, nothing, right? And here's the amazing part of this podcast. It doesn't just apply to hotels. This way of thinking can apply to any form of housing, RVs, a tent, a rental house, an apartment, a home you own. It all boils down to a mindset. And if you have a home that you own or that you rent that lasts for one year, two years, three years, five years, 10 years, great. I'm not saying you should force yourself into this flexibility and you know fungible housing and moving all over the place. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying you have to have this mindset or else you will become financially devastated. You have to be thinking about the financial ramifications of what happens if this particular property doesn't feel good to me anymore after a given amount of time. Can I sell it? What is the resale value? Can I get out of the lease? You have to be thinking about it that way. And in other words, your core happiness and satisfaction and contentment in life has to be transferred from a feeling of having a home that lasts forever, a home, a forever home, to having your family, having your health, having your spirituality, having a job, having a laptop, having other things, having a pet, a dog, being able to go on a hike, being able to walk in the sun when you used to be bedridden. You have to transfer your spirit of happiness away from having a forever home. It's just something you have to do. And it will put you in a better mindset to survive and thrive and and be amazed that you found a $10 million hotel that took 100 developers three years to build that you can use for $150 a night as long as you need to or want to, right? And if it gets moldy or you don't like the location, you can move on. So this trip with my family just 
made me think of making this podcast episode and just reminded me of that transition that I made to think of housing as being a fungible resource that doesn't affect my happiness. Um, This is something that we do in many other areas of our life, and, and we know to do it. Like if your favorite brand of underwear is no longer being made and you have to switch underwear to a different brand, it's not going to ruin your happiness. You're going to be like, well, okay, whatever. I got to get used to this kind of underwear or socks. That's how we have to think of housing. We have to make this transition as housing being a resource that we exploit to our benefit in a flexible way rather than a, a feature of our identity and our happiness and our stability. And once you do that, the world just opens up to you and you just become so free because it requires so much mental, emotional, and especially financial energy to try to become super invested in any one particular home or apartment or RV or anything like that. It just becomes massively impossible. And I remember one of my mentors once telling me that even an unlimited amount of money does not guarantee that your housing will work out. I mean, for heaven's sake, the outdoor air could go bad. We already know that different locations have bad outdoor air blowing through at certain times of year, and it can change, and it can be unpredictable, and you can become more unmasked. Your level of tolerance or what phase of intensification you're in can change over time, rendering different places, different locations, different buildings feeling different to you. So, you know, one of my mentors says the saying that there's no such thing as a safe building or safe location. There are only buildings and locations that are safe for certain people at certain points in time. So when I began to think of housing this way, you know, instead of home is where you hang your hat, how about home is where you don't get a mold hit? How about home is where you can be together with your family? How about home is where you can sleep and shelter without going financially broke because you're so committed to wanting this idealistic, you know, forever home. And again, I am not saying that you can't find a long-term house or apartment or a five-year lease that works for you. I'm not saying that at all. Maybe you can. And if you do, that's fine. And that's all great and wonderful. But probably the reason that you found it in the first place was because you started off by thinking of housing as a flexible, fungible resource. And by doing that, you were able to stay clear enough for long enough to heal your mold illness enough and to gain enough mold avoidance skills that you eventually were able to take that next step and leap of faith into a property. I've talked about this many times, how you need your mold avoidance skills to be at a certain level before something like that usually ends up working out. And the hotel was just a great crystallization example of this concept because I was thinking like, wow, isn't it amazing that my family gets to spend a month or whatever amount of time in this hotel? You know, such for the Bible says for such a time as this, all of these variables came into play here. There was a $10 million developer. There was a piece of land. There was someone with a lot of intelligence and money and organization that got all the permits that built this place that, and we get to just show up and use it for as long as we want to. And as long as it feels good. And as long as we need to be in this city in Utah and then leave with no financial calamity, 
No worry about the water leaks. And I know people are going to say, oh, well, you can't live in a hotel for Brian, forever, Brian. It's too expensive. I know. I'm talking about one month. It doesn't really matter what we're talking about here, whether it's buying an RV and then selling it later, whether it's finding a rental house. It's what, what I'm talking about here is a mindset of thinking of housing as a fungible, replaceable resource that doesn't define who you are or your level of happiness and setting yourself free from this American idea that housing is like a part of our identity and our comfort and who we are and and whatever. Now, I get it. Again, I just my my little caveat here is I get it. I, I want a forever home too. I like the idea of having a cozy living room and the same cozy couch that your grandma gave you that you pass on to your kids. And if you can pull that off, that's great. I'm not against any of that. What I am saying is that especially in early mold avoidance and middle mold avoidance, and for most of us who are financially devastated by chronic illness, those kinds of things might not be realistic at first. And the more you're going to hold on to that ideal, the harder it's going to be to heal and the harder it's going to be to have financial sustainability in your healing process. So I suggest, my humble suggestion is that you transfer your identity and your meaning and your value in life and who you are as a person and what makes you special away from housing and into other things like I'm getting my health back. I'm with my family. I find my brain works well enough finally to open my laptop and get some work done, right? To transfer your self-value and your sense of self away from a house or an address or whatever into other things so that housing can become all of a sudden a fungible resource that you can pull off the shelf and put back on the shelf when you need to. And this flexibility it literally just sets you free because you no longer have to be financially responsible for procuring, maintaining, healing in, surviving in some extremely expensive unit of housing. And again, this doesn't apply to you if you're a very high net worth individual. There's an acronym for that, V-H-N-I, very high net worth individual. You know, you, do you see what I'm saying? I just bring that up to make a point because if you have t- millions and millions and millions of dollars... You can just make an offer on a house, buy it, sleep in it, live in it for a while, get it, get it, order some furniture, use it until it doesn't feel good, sell it, move on. Maybe you take a couple hundred thousand dollar loss, whatever. Nobody cares because you're a, you're you're super rich. Like then you can sort of ignore this podcast. But for the rest of us, the ninety nine point nine 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 percent of chronic illness patients, we have to conserve our emotional, financial mental energy and and we just don't have the resources to be you know construction is a major project you never know if a building's going to be good how long it's going to be good it's much better just to find buildings RVs shelters hotels apartments that feel good to you right now and use them in such a way that you can use them while they feel good and then move on to something else and that's why i brought up that example of my family because, you know, they, they, they use, you know, back in the day when we were in earlier mold avoidance, they had to be flexible a lot. And so for them to just, you know, get into this hotel room, my son to hop on his laptop, my kids to go to the pool, um, and, and my son to go work out in the gym, I was like, I'm so glad my family has this skill 
of thinking of housing as a non-fungible resource that they can just use and abuse, enjoy, get, you know, settle into. Um, it, it, it does require a different level of flexibility. And think about it. There are a lot of careers and vocations and cultures where this is necessary for other reasons, not health reasons, right? Like being an airline pilot. He's going to be in a different hotel, a different city. And if he's so traumatized by the, the, the changes in location in the different hotels, it's going to be a really hard life. But if he can just, you know, set his briefcase down, FaceTime his kids, turn on a show, read a book before bed and go to bed, he's going to be a lot happier. You have to have that flexibility um, and that, that sense where you're not con- committed to a certain form of housing. And I just wanted to tell you guys this story today because of this hotel that we were in in Utah. It made me realize how much I feel set free when I can, instead of being annoyed that we you know, had to do all this flexible mold avoidance, that I can be grateful that we got to use a $10 million hotel that felt good to our family for a period of time without taking any financial risk and, and get the most out of it. So hope that helps. Um, that was the message that was on my mind for you guys today to think of housing as a fungible, in other words, interchangeable, non-special resource, just like you think of, I'm trying to think of all these examples so I can kind of tweak and recalibrate your, your thinking. Um, another example would be like gas at a gas station, right? Um, you get gas at a gas station, you look for a pump if you have diesel or regular unleaded and you just pump gas into your car. You don't get emotionally attached to which gas station you go to. It doesn't matter as long as the price is similar. You just look at your phone, pull up a gas station and go get that resource and then you move on with your life, right? That's how housing needs to be thought of. It's just a resource that you need to get. You grab a little bit of it, you use it, and then you move on to something else if you need to. Again, like I said, if you find the perfect forever home that's not moldy, good for you. But you can't live and die on that hill. You can't just you know expect that and, and not be happy you know, and throw all of your financial resources at making something like that happen. So I hope in this episode I was successful at sort of challenging your thinking and getting you to look at housing in a new light. And maybe you'll have the same feeling of being set free that I had when I finally was able to make the paradigm shift to thinking of housing as a resource that I can just take a little bit of, put a little bit back, move on. And, and I'm not saying it's easy and without its challenges. Sure, it's, it's, a, it's an adaptation. You know, it's a way to adapt to the life that's been given to us in a way that we can still thrive and have mental fortitude and have a meaningful life where we're able to contribute to society without being completely nuked and destroyed and obliterated by the the financial calamities um, and just destabilization that comes from... Um, letting letting housing ruin your life, if that makes sense. So just my usual disclaimer, I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a mold expert. I'm not a mold remediator. I'm not certified in any of this stuff. A lot of this stuff isn't even my own original invention or you know ideas. I'm just sort of someone who has greatly benefited from uh, using mold avoidance to recover, and I'm sharing my story. So thanks for listening. Hope everybody has a good day.